I was a professional hockey player turned into a heroin addict. I became homeless on the worst street in North America before being arrested numerous occasions, spending over three years behind bars. My name's Brady Leval, and I've been to hell and back. This is the Road to Recovery. All right, guys, let's do it. Welcome to episode number two of Hockey. I can't even say the name. Hockey to hell and back. The road to recovery. I'm too into this song. My buddy Matt wrote this song. Listen, my buddy Matt wrote this song, especially uh, for me. Did all the instruments, put them in like individually. And I'm currently working on the video. I told you guys. Uh, it's going to take me a little bit longer. Just had the baby. She's still in the NICU. She'll be out on Tuesday, though. I just got the word from Taylor. Uh, I'm coming at you guys live from Morrisburg, Ontario. I'm back at Matt Thompson's house. We are uh, in the middle. Actually, I'm kind of in the doghouse. Uh, full disclosure, I'm already in trouble with the boss, guys. Um, I've been here for, like, not even 24 hours. I'm already taking time off. Like he, you know, we were there till like midnight last night, stocking the shelf, doing stuff. Now we got to go get the inventory and all that. Um, but listen, we're super excited uh, to be able to, you know, uh, bring the community of Morrisburg, uh, the one-stop skate shop. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of different people coming in and out of there, different pro guys, sign autographs and stuff once COVID lifts and all this stuff. I love this part of the song. Love this. I don't know, man. Matt killed it with this song. Um, doesn't even know me that well, uh, but I feel like he knocked it out of the park. Um, another friend from social media. I have so many. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for all the support uh, from the past podcast, from all the videos I do, from everything, and especially uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, you guys know how challenging it's been um, with being in the hotel, in the hospital, with Veda in the NICU and everything. Uh, but you guys have made it so much easier so thank you uh there's so many people uh to thank and we will get there um i promise uh once veda's home and i have a little bit of time so we can do it uh the right way guys and uh you know i'm uh i don't know i'm i'm feeling good these days uh you know i don't know things are finally uh feel like they're coming together i feel like maybe once my uh once my um it, yes you do and, uh, um, yeah, everything's just, uh, really coming, coming together. Once my family gets up to Morrisburg though, guys, like, uh, I really feel like, you know, the floodgates are going to open and, uh, you know, before I get into the episode, I really want to give a special thanks to my dad who always comes out clutch, man. Like this guy, I don't even know where he got some of this stuff. I thought all my stuff was gone. You see this Jersey? I thought it was gone. I got like four or five more. Um, and I got like newspaper articles. I got like every DVD from my last year in the Western hockey league. Me and Matt were watching one last night and like, man, it was hilarious. Like, oops, I'm pulling stuff off. I'm getting so excited, but like, seriously guys, like I, I'm like, I was so jacked up yesterday because like I fell to my knees. So dad, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Uh, I'm not, can't say I'm surprised that you kind of held on to this stuff, but I thought that I had taken it back. And when my storage locker went on fire, man, I was like, 
I was pretty upset. Uh, I wasn't as upset as I think of if it would have happened now because I was in a point in my life where I was like, ah, I don't even, I don't even think about hockey. I don't even want to think about that part of my life. But I'm so glad uh, and fortunate that I have this stuff to be able to show my kids and stuff like that. Uh, it really means the world to me. Um, if there's anything in the world that's that means stuff to me personally, aside from like my family and kids, you know what I mean? It's as a hockey player, it's got to be this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm sure my guests can can touch on that too. I'm sure she has um, some of that herself. Uh, before we get into it, uh, you guys know that this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out, teamissue.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off. And I needed no reminding, but watching my games last night, like, holy shit, Tommy Toedrag, like, enough is enough. Like, um, you know, you see the hats. Actually, I had like a stack of hats, but Matt just bought them all because he wants to sell them in the store. So I only have like a couple left, but we are going to give away at the end of the episode. We'll give away a pair of team issued socks um, uh, and possibly a face shield, which I have here. I usually have it on, but I was getting too hot. It's like a windshield. And good news. Team issued and the Puck Support Foundation are collabing uh, to do a hat and a face shield. So Jesse Paradise, my former teammate with the Kona Rockets, super pumped to bring that to you guys, hopefully in the near future. I'm going to talk a little bit about Dave Gilmore later on, uh, a little bit more about the Puck Support Foundation later on, um, probably some November, as you guys can see. Uh, I got the uh, the handlebar mustache going. Um, and the very last thing um, I'm going to say is that uh, I'm obviously moving from Muskoka. And if you listen to the podcast, I had tons of support. Everything we were doing was in memory of Matthew Lazinski. And from there, it filtered on. And we just uncovered so many more uh, tragedies uh, in the hockey community. Of course, we knew uh, of the ones, uh, the guys in the NHL. But uh, there's so many that people have not heard about. And, and one of them was Matthew Lazinski. And I didn't know him. So this is from uh, obviously from his funeral and he played for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. Um, and he was Matt Thompson's best friend. And, uh, you know, he passed away in 2017 to an overdose, uh, two weeks apart from my former line mate, Mitch Fadden in the American Hockey League. Uh, WHL All-Star also died of an overdose two weeks apart from Matthew. Um, and uh, Jeremy Domish, who I just found out, passed up an over overdose in March 20th. I mean, the list goes on, guys, and I overdosed over 10 times. I'm very lucky uh, to be alive. Uh, and because I'm here and I'm I can, I'm here and I'm alive, I feel I have a responsibility uh, to pay these guys huge amount of respect uh, and also to bring the hockey community um, just the best possible resources that we can. And I will fight and fight until I die um, to make sure that this happens. Um, and... So everything we do, like I said, we were building the studio in Muskoka is get back to what I was saying. And uh, obviously now I'm moving to Morrisburg here with Matt, which is so cool. Like I'm in Matt's house and obviously that's his best friend. And we have his skates. We have Maddie skates like Maddie because they're both named Matt, but Maddie skates in the one stop skate shop uh, is game worn skates. And uh, another really cool thing. So my buddy Jeff from Blade Tech Hockey. Okay sent me over i've actually put them in i'm not a trade man i'm embarrassed at how long it took me to put snap steel in my skates okay that's how long i've been removed from the game of hockey uh it took me like 10 minutes to get these things in full disclosure however i will say 
I watch Matt and everybody else do it. And it takes like three seconds. So I think I'll get there. So let me see. Jeff from Blade Tech Hockey, if you could see them, sent me custom steel. So with my logos, which is so cool. I'm going to show you the other side in a second. And then here's the one-off. This is green for mental health. Um, green for mental health. So this is just, you know, for the wall or whatever. Just steal. I'm not going to use that one. But check out the other side. So he also sent Matt. So if you see this side. So Matt's would say Thompson 24, obviously without the hockey to heroin logo. But uh, you flip it over. And we got... M. Luzinski, 24, with a 24 in the pocket. You can't see it. So how cool is that, Blade Tech Hockey? Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Blade Tech Hockey. Uh, if you guys want, check out Blade Tech Hockey. I haven't skated in them. Tomorrow's the day. Matt has, and he swears. Like, he hasn't stopped talking about how much faster he is. And, Matt, I'm sorry. You're not, you weren't the fastest guy, so I think I'll be able to notice. You're a good hockey player, but you're not the fastest guy. And, and let's be honest, I'm not either anymore. And you guys are going to hear about that here shortly. So... Thank you to Blade Tech Hockey. Check them out uh, on Instagram at Blade Tech Hockey, guys. And uh, of course, at One Stop Skate Shop. I'll do it all at the end. Um, I, the last thing, the last thing, the like 10th last thing, right? Um, I have a video like I usually do. Um, but if you guys watched episode one, what a disaster. Like I said it on there. Like if Darren McCarty wasn't my friend now, I would have legit been like scared and embarrassed. Um, I'm going to turn my hat around because I don't like really wearing it forward. Uh, but like he was so great and we laughed about it after. But uh, I've grown out of my computer a little bit. I ran out of room and like every time I tried to delete stuff, it just whatever. And I left my hard drive down in Aurelia. So right now I'm beat. However, what I can do is I can play the audio to the video and I'm going to try to clip in some pictures as we go. We'll see how it goes. But if you want to see the full video, of course, follow me on Instagram probably later tonight because I really got to run out and get to the One Stop Skate Shop. I'm in trouble. I'm not kidding. Not, not actually, but he's like stressing out. So um, probably later tonight, tomorrow morning, the video will be on there, just the video. And then, of course, on YouTube, the full video of the episode with the video will be included. So uh, here we go, guys. Um, really proud to bring you guys uh, episode number two of uh, Hockey to Hell and Back, The Road to Recovery, uh, featuring Jacqueline Hawkins. So here we go, guys. Let's do it. Good luck to me clipping in the pictures. Let's do it. I hope our team goes stronger and stronger and stronger and beat those boys down. When you watch hockey, what do you see? A group of people gliding around on ice with knives attached to their feet chasing a tiny black biscuit. To someone who has never seen hockey before, I can imagine it looking like a lot of things. That's because hockey is a lot of things. What I've come to realize, especially over these past few months, is that hockey has not only saved my life, it has continually given me life. Without hockey, I would have been dead a long time ago. You see, there is so much more than just the game of hockey. Hockey taught me more about life and more about myself than anything ever has. It was my passion, just like a lot of Canadian boys growing up. Growing up in the 1990s was a little bit of a different time. A lot has changed since then. A lot of it good, and in my opinion, some of it bad. Growing up as a Canadian boy, in my mind, hockey was a man's game. There were thousands, maybe millions, who carried the same viewpoint as me 
long before I was even a thought. The first time I ever actually took notice to women's hockey was back in the late 1990s. My cousin, Christy Odemira, or Odie, as she is maybe better known as, was a two-time Olympian with Team Canada Softball. I loved driving out to Softball City in White Rock, BC to take in the Canada Cup every summer to watch Christy play. Christy is 10 years older than me, and though she was in fact a female, I was always in awe of her donning those Canadian colors, even if it wasn't in my favorite sport. It didn't matter. As a kid, I was so proud that my cousin was on Team Canada. And what made my interest peak even more was that for a period of time, she played alongside maybe the best female hockey player in history, Haley Wickenheiser. A lot of people may not know that Haley was actually a multi-sport multi-season Olympian playing for Team Canada in softball in Athens back in 2000 and of course went on to many many Olympic gold medals and of course a Hockey Hall of Fame career. It was because of those games that I watched Haley play alongside Christy that I started to follow the women's hockey team here in Canada a little more. It was like I had some sort of connection to Haley through Christy even though I never even spoke a word to Haley Wickenheiser. I have to be honest, as I always am, I started to follow women's hockey to periodically check up on Haley, and back then, I did have the hots for Cassie Campbell. So it was usually those two who I paid the most attention to. I was growing into a young man who himself developed into an elite hockey player, and as I grew bigger, stronger, and faster, my following of the women's game diminished completely. As I continued through the Western Hockey League and into my pro career, my knowledge of the women's game was zero. Fast forward to the year 2019. I was now a seasoned addict and a regular behind bars. A shadow of who I once was as a hockey player. By now I had zero knowledge of both the man's and the women's game. I had stopped watching hockey completely. I was about five years behind on the newest pair of Bauer skates, which would have never happened. I was always a bit of a geek when it came to equipment. Most hockey players are. At this particular moment, I was behind bars. It was 2019 and it was NHL All-Star Weekend. There was only one TV on the range and TV jail, sports rules. News in the morning and sports the rest of the day if it's on. Well. It was the NHL skills competition. As a kid, this was by far my favorite part of the entire NHL season, the skills. It had been many years since I watched the annual skills competition that I never used to miss, usually alongside my dad, Brian. Some guys had mentioned that it was coming on, so of course they brought it to my attention, knowing I was the ex-hockey player. But they all knew that I really didn't care to watch hockey. I had proved it enough times playing Scrabble with my back to the TV while any games were on. It hurt too much to think of what I thought I maybe could have been, but I was actually getting excited to watch the skills competition. I had no clue who would be in it with the exception of a few educated guesses, but other than that, I was basically clueless. Then something happened that changed my outlook on hockey completely. So Kendall Coyne up first, an Illinois native out of Northeastern University. 
So you're skating by all these players. You know what they were doing? Oh my gosh, you see fast. Nobody wants to lose you. Way to go, Kendall. Thanks, I did not stop talking about this for weeks, and I still talk about it all the time. Who would have thought it would have taken a breathtaking performance by a female hockey player while I was in jail to actually get me excited about the game of hockey again? I could not believe how fast she was. I remember thinking to myself, I don't even think I was ever this fast, and I was not slow. In that moment, I realized the game of hockey has unlimited potential to change lives and change the world. I felt guilty that I had not paid enough attention to the women's game. Sure, I was a mess for over a decade, but even before that, I never gave it the credit it deserved. And I am man enough to admit that, but Kendall Coyne Schofield changed that in 14.346 seconds. When I started the podcast, my focus was once again honed in on male guests. It wasn't until episode 21 that I had my first female guest on, Barbara Williams. I had no idea who she was until weeks prior. I thought to myself, how can I not know her story? I was on a mission to create a buzz to get Barbara where she belongs, the Hockey Hall of Fame. I started to do more research into women's hockey, and originally I was going to search best women's hockey player, but I didn't. Within seconds, I found a woman who inspired me and continues to inspire me and thousands of young women across Canada and the United States, and even in Europe. Jacqueline Hawkins was born February 28, 1985 in Burlington, Ontario, but her family soon moved to Manitoc where she considers home. I wouldn't typically age a woman on my show. My dad raised me with better manners than that. But Jacqueline Hawkins is very well known in the female hockey community and is breaking down barriers for the female hockey community on a daily basis. And a quick Google search will reveal her age. Hawk grew up playing against boys. Back then, there were next to no female programs, especially in the small towns. Jacqueline played with the boys until first year Bantam when she made the jump to prep school in Connecticut. There, she dominated prep school and cruised to a full-ride NCAA scholarship at the University of Connecticut, where she dominated for the Husky. At the end of her freshman season in 2004-2005, Hawkins finished second nationally among freshmen in goals scored with 25 and third in points with 40. Her goals and points numbers led the Huskies while breaking the program's single-season marks for both categories, respectively. In addition, she was a four-time Hockey East Rookie of the Week award winner. Her 18 snipes in conference play led all Hockey East skaters. She was instrumental in the Huskies reaching the Hockey East Championship game as she scored more than a quarter of the Huskies' goals. On October 21, 2006, she set a Hockey East record and tied an NCAA record with three power play goals in one game. In her sophomore and junior campaigns, she was the Huskies' leading goal scorer. After her senior season, Hawkins set a program record with 27 assists and finished as the Huskies' all-time leading scorer, 69 goals, 
75 assists, 144 points. In addition, she became the first Husky to win the Hockey East Sportsmanship Award. Hawkins was captain of the Huskies in her junior and senior seasons and was an alternate captain during her sophomore season. Following graduation, she turned to coaching for a year. She joined the Huskies as an assistant coach before relocating to Zurich, Switzerland to compete for the ZSC Lions. Her 55 points led the Lions as she helped the squad advance to their first appearance in the Swiss Championship game. In addition, she was selected as one of the Swiss League's most valuable players. Following that 55-point campaign overseas, Hawkins was selected by the Boston Blades in the 2010 CWHL Draft. Side note, during the 04-05 season, Hawkins made the Canadian Under-22 Development Selection Camp as well. In two games, she recorded one goal and one assist before having to fight through adversity. Once I started to do my homework on Hawk, her amazing on-ice achievements, in my opinion, were quickly overshadowed by who Jacqueline Hawkins is the person. Like me, Hawk was a hockey player through and through. After retiring from the game that had given her everything, what was she gonna do? Enter women's hockey life. I'm Jacqueline Hawkins. On the ice, I was known as Hawk. I am the president and founder of Women's Hockey Life, where we empower women and girls through the game of hockey. I am also one of our coaches with WHL Academy, where we help high school-aged females navigate the college recruiting process, earn scholarships, and win in life. Jacqueline is a driving force in the women's hockey community. She has used the tools she has learned from hockey and her own life experiences to create something special for women and the entire hockey community. Jacqueline was an NCAA and professional hockey player, but it did not come without challenges that she had to overcome with persistence and hard work. Hawk and the team at Women's Hockey Life are helping the current and upcoming female hockey players navigate through the entire hockey process, which we all know can sometimes be a nightmare. I can't wait to hear more about it. Hawk is a leader and it has never been more apparent than now. Her hard work and dedication to the game of hockey is something she deserves recognition for. She was a star on the ice, but the impact she is having on the females in the hockey community today is simply amazing. As a dad with three young girls, I'm excited to see what Hawk and her team has been doing since 2010. I look to her for inspiration and after today for guidance. The Puck Support Foundation needs a leader like Jacqueline Hawkins. It is my greatest hope that every hockey player receives the proper education, guidance, opportunity, training, and number one, support if he or she needs it. To me, it doesn't matter where the support for the hockey community comes from. As they say, the more, the merrier. And I truly believe that. Knowing there are women like Jacqueline out there doing what she's doing gives me great confidence. I know one thing is for certain. The level of respect I have for the women and the women's game has never been higher and has never been in better hands. And Hawk is a huge reason for that. All right, guys, let's do it. Episode number two, Hockey to Hell and Back, The Road to Recovery. Featuring my new friend, Jacqueline Hawk Hawkins. Wow. Really, <laughs> like you just blew that out of the water. Uh, yeah, the video is even better, but uh, 
Welcome to Hockey to Hell and Back. Uh, what an honor to have you on. I've been looking forward to doing this. We connected a, a little while back, but uh, things just align, happened to align this weekend, and I'm so glad to have you on and uh, get to hear a little bit more about what you're doing directly from the source. I mean, I've done my research, of course, but uh, I, I want to hear more about you and, and your story. And, and why don't we start, like, back at square one? Where did, where did you get the love for hockey, Jacqueline? Growing up in Ontario, obviously, it's Canada. I mean, hockey's around, but not every girl wants to be a hockey player. Certainly not back then. Born in 85. Uh, I know there was very few. I'm from Port Coquitlam. Uh, playing uh, in Port Coquitlam, there was, I think, one or two girls that played with the guys. Um, two that I, I recall. And and it, what they weren't received well. Um, in, I'll be honest. In, in By the majority of, of the guys that were playing. So I can't imagine. I, I'm curious as to how you went through that and what your experience was. So I'd love to hear more from, from you, Jacqueline. Take it away. Thank you. Well, I, I am so appreciative and grateful to even be a, a guest uh, amongst you and, and all the other amazing guests you've had on this podcast, this this video, this everything. So thank you, Brady, for asking me to be here. I'm, I'm truly humbled to to be in the same quote unquote room, COVID style, yeah. <laughs> as you. But yeah, it all, it all started. Good old Manitick, Ontario. Um, I have a brother who's about a year and a half older than I am, and, and he, he played, and, and I watched him play, and um, I have a twin sister myself, so I, you know, was dragged to the rinks. My sister and I went to the rinks. We watched them play, um, but it was even even more than that. It was the neighborhood that we lived in. Street hockey, huge, right? So my brother would always be out. Yeah, you're laughing because you know uh, my my brother would be out there with his buddies playing on, on the driveway or in the cul-de-sac, and um, I would just sit back and watch. And, and eventually. I, I asked to play. And of course, newbie, you're the goalie. So I stepped in and I was the goalie. That's why I was laughing because that's the only time my sister ever played. And I, I think she hated it so much that she never even wanted to try any other position. So good for you to fight through that. That's a, that's a shitty position to be in. And you fought through it. And that doesn't surprise me after, after seeing what you've done. But carry on, please. Yeah, no, I was the goalie at first. But then, you know, I made my way and I became a defenseman. And then, you know, eventually and over time, I then became a forward. So I made my way, quote unquote, up. But I mean, I, I couldn't be, I have so much respect for goalies. I don't know how they do what they do. I, yeah. I had that taste early on and I was like, I'm good. But um, yeah, no, I just, so I played in the streets and, and again, being, you know, growing up in just south of Ottawa, winters get cold. We got rinks in the backyard, the whole neighborhood. If, if we didn't have one, a neighbor did. So you get home from school, you grab a snack. Thanks mom. Um, and then you're off to, well, you do your homework. Well, you either do your homework before or after you, you jump on the ponds, but um, it was literally just playing in the streets, playing pond hockey. And then eventually it was, okay, I want to play. And just joined the local organization. I could see the rink, you know, out my, uh, out my window, my bedroom and my parents were that's awesome. More than happy to have you uh, join. That's, that's, yeah. That's pretty awesome. And, and so back then, like you, I talked about in the intro and, and I didn't ask you this, so I don't know what, what exactly uh, the situation for females was in, in your, in your town, but you told me yourself that you played with boys until you were in your early teens. So was there an opportunity for you to play with girls? Um, and if there was, you probably had to travel pretty far. Um, and was it like a thing where back then, because maybe you were an elite girl, 
it was just more beneficial back then for you to play with the boys because at the the, the gap, right? Like girls nowadays, like, like they're crazy skilled. It's insane, right? And and it it's it blows me away every day. I see these young young, especially the young girls on Instagram. Like I'm like, holy cow! Like what is going on out there, right? Like so, it's it's amazing. I just have a whole newfound respect, and I think. I mean, and that just filters out. I want you to hear from you more, but I think that filters out with everything. And it just so shows to how we've sort of like, you know, just progressed as, as a, a country, as a civilization, um, you know, with, with women's rights and, and everything. It's taken a lot longer, but I think in the hockey community, it, you know, certainly now more than ever, women are starting to get, you know, the recognition that they deserve. Because I mean, realistically, like, man, there's a lot of like, oh man, I hear stories and I'm going to, I wanted to, I wanted to jump this said, oh man, cause I want to jump into it later, but just carry on with your story and I'll, I'll get back to it after please. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest thing is if you see it, you believe it. And, and back then in the, you know, I was born 85. So what was it? It was the early nineties when I started playing social media didn't exist. So all I knew was my brother, his buddies and whatever other players I played in the organization. So at that point, as far as I knew, there were no female organizations and, and there weren't. So I just played with the boys and I was either one or one of two um, girls on any team that I played. So that was the norm for me. I didn't know any difference. So I didn't think it was a negative thing. It, or, and it's still not. Um, it just it, it was what it was in that time. Right now, there's there's opportunities. I have nieces that both play They're You know, they're six, they're eight, they're they're younger and they have these female organizations now. So it's different. Um, but I, I mean, I had an amazing experience growing up playing with the boys and I was always best friends. My best friends are always boys growing up. Like it wasn't until like high school and beyond that, like, you know, my teammates are not my best friends as well, but like my teammates growing up were always boys because, or sorry, my best friends growing up were always boys, boys because they were my teammates, right? Yeah. They, like they protected me. They always had my back and, and it was, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, I, I'm just so grateful to have been surrounded by these boys who were clearly raised by good parents because they didn't see me as a female. They saw me as a hockey player. That's awesome. See, that's, that's what I love to hear. And I think, do you think maybe, do you think maybe if you don't have your older brother there with you, do you think that maybe experience is a little different for you? Because me looking back and I'm thinking about the girls that played in art, my association, they didn't have that, that older brother to kind of help filter them in. But I will say too, before you take it away here, that my sister is the same age as you. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm two years younger, but uh, so it's kind of funny. Like, you know what I mean? It would have been, it's just, it's just hilarious times. Uh, I could just see you there strapped in the pads. Um, <laughs> And I hated playing goalie. Did you ever like playing goalie? No, I didn't. I never did it again until like it was probably Adam. Yeah. The Adam age where like we had like a fun three on three, the Auto Valley Titans. It was a fun three on three tournament amongst our team. And the whole point of it was like, have you played different positions? So I actually went net and it was, it was fun because it was one day. <laughs> yeah. That's and I did the same. Yeah, I did the same thing. One game in in novice. It was called back in the day. It was called novice, and now it's like hockey four out west. But uh, yeah, and like it was sort of like you know we switch goalies kind of every game type thing. And it was like the one game where I was like, okay, I'm gonna play. Man, we lost eight one, and I was so mad because like I was the one on our team at the time who scored the majority of the goal. So I remember after like the first five minutes, I was yelling at my dad as a coach. I'm like, I'm taking the pads off. Like I'm taking. 
you get back in there, you started, you finished. Like, you know what I mean? And I was yeah. so mad the whole game. Like, oh, but just, just funny. But uh, so you, you made the transition uh, from, from boys um, to, to girls. Now, did you play girls locally before you left for prep school? I did. I, so I played either a year, maybe two. Um, with the, it was called the NCCP at the time, the National Capitals Competitive Program, no longer exists. There's just an amazing now league called the PWHL in Ontario, Provincial Women's Hockey League. Yeah. It's, it's unreal, uh, but that didn't exist when I was here. So uh, when I was about 15, uh, the NCCP organization was, there was rumors of it folding. Where am I going to play? Am I going to have to travel now? So I made the decision to end up going to Watertown, Connecticut, and I went to a prep school in the U.S., yeah, and, and that was uh, probably one of the best decisions you ever made because it seemed like you stayed down there forever uh, and your numbers down there were what, what was it like because you were fairly young like I moved away at 16 um, and you were 15 right yeah so how was that experience did you have a like when you so when you mentor these girls and we'll get to that the does this question come up a lot uh, about if they have to move from home and, and do you have many girls reach out to you that are homesick and, and, and how was that experience for you? And, and how are you seeing that now? And, and how do you sort of help these girls through that? If that's what they're going through nowadays. Yeah. Brady, I had to do laundry at 15. Who does laundry at 15? I know, right? <laughs> right? That was my biggest thing. I was like, I got to figure this out. Um, no, it was, it was a good transition. Um, probably as seamless as it, it could have gone. I think because again, like I didn't know any different. Right. Like you grow up like, I, yes, I have a twin sister and an older brother that were at the local high school. I went to my local high school. But, you know, I, I was kind of. I guess I was kind of always like the quote unquote black sheep, the one that always thought outside the box that did things differently, maybe not the most popular. But for me, that was the right move. And it was there was definitely culture shock. I know it's it's Canada, U.S. Like, is there, it, there, is there differences? Isn't there? But it was more that I went to a prep school where now. Like I still remember my first year I was there, my roommate, tiniest room ever. And <laughs> of course. Like everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're you're rooming with Grace. Like she's a Rockefeller. And I'm like, Oh my God. See? I'm like, I'm like, what's a Rockefeller? I'm like, is that a rock band? Like what what I literally like I wouldn't have known at that age either, though, right? Like there's no way at 15 you know what that is. Like I'm, I'm sorry. 15 years old, and they're like, she has Lily Pullet, like all these like brand name clothes, and I'm like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, like whatever. I'm like, I don't yeah. know what this means. And everyone's like, oh my goodness. And then obviously you Google it, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. But like I still didn't care. I'm like, is she a good person? Am I going to get right. Her, right? Yeah. So long winded way answering your, answering your question. Now there are so many different opportunities and not even opportunities. But, well, yeah, opportunities, but paths for young girls to get to college. It's not just, you don't just have to go to prep school or you don't just have to play in the PWHL on the Canadian side or the JWHL on the, on, on the U S side or yeah. um, playing an independent league or, there's so many paths, which is why I think it's amazing now, because for us, when we work with players, we don't care where you live or what league you play in or what team you play for. If you've got the passion, the drive and the commitment to want to play in college, if you're going to do what we tell you to do, if you're coachable, there's we guarantee you there's a home for you, but you got to do the work. And at the end of the day, that's what it always comes down to. Right. Like you've got to put in the work want it more than us we can guide you and do everything but as long as you do what we tell you to do you're going to find a home 
I, and but I want to interrupt you, which I don't like doing, but I've watched a couple. Good. Of, good. I've watched a couple of your videos, and you have a way with words, and and I think that's something that you should really look into. I don't know what kind of programs you have for your girls or whatever, but I don't know how much of it you do. Uh, but you know, using um, yeah, just the way that you put it into words, and it's funny because I was listening to the women's hockey life episode number one, and you talk, you know, you introduce yourself, and then you talk about. Lesson number one, and it's like persistence. And that's my favorite word in the English dictionary. Like I've mentioned it on my past podcast. I think I wrote a read a journal entry and it's I wrote it's in that. And it says that's my favorite word. And like, and so when I heard that, it's like, and it's such, but the way that you you're able to explain it and then just you know your stories and you relate, it's very relatable. And and so I think there's something to that. So if anybody watching and uh, there's not many people watching live because a couple of the links didn't work. Nobody's not on Facebook. It's just strictly on YouTube, which is great. I get all my listenership audio anyways, so it doesn't matter. Um, I have my loyal audio. They're like, don't even do videos. We like the audio better. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Anyways, but my dad being one of them, actually. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's all very interesting to me that the whole uh, dynamics and I want to, I want to know more about it. And uh, it's sort of one of those things that I look at now and I'm like, man, like there's so much that I wish I had. And, and I'm sure that maybe you're looking at too, but now I look at you and I see, okay, here's this girl that, or this lady, I guess that woman that has uh, had this great career and now she's taking what she's learned and she's really implementing it and making, you know, like, in impact in in these young women's lives and that is so important you know what i mean and like so we get coached we have trainers we have everything but to me there's there's a gap missing and i can only speak from my experience from and and from what i've heard from there's sort of a gap between that being able to actually talk to to somebody and and, and tell you tell them how you're feeling um, then being in a dressing room and having to suck it up and just be a hockey player and, and everything. So did you have any of those feelings when you moved away at a young age, Jacqueline, like where you just felt like really homesick at all and, and felt like, man, I should just be grateful that I'm here and just shut up because everybody else is doing it. Or what was that experience like for you? Like, did, did you ever have thoughts at any time between prep school and college of you were ever so homesick or were you just so in love with, with your journey um, and just enjoying the ride? I don't know that I was ever homesick, but I think like obviously hindsight 2020 with, with age comes wisdom, all the cliches, whatever, like I yeah. see it so clearly now when I look back, it was the whole journey for me was figuring out who the, who was I, who am I? And, and, and I think I knew from a young age, but society and friends and school and everyone made me believe that what I was feeling wasn't right. And and I'll dive into that a little bit more with what I mean, but I, I go back to when I was 15 and I think this was part of potentially why I left, why I left Ottawa and went to, to Connecticut. I mean, there was a lot of reasons from hockey and everything, but on the personal side, it was, I still remember, I don't know if I've ever talked publicly about this, but I still remember when I was about 14, 15, and I woke up and, you know, I was in the mirror. I was putting makeup on. I could care less to wear makeup. My sister did it. So I did it. She's my twin. Like all my friends were doing it. So I was like, I'm putting mascara on. And it felt weird. Like that morning, it felt weird. And I went to school and I remember sitting in history class and it was grade, it was grade 10. So I was probably 14, 15. And my teacher looked at me and, and goes, are you okay? 
And I'm thinking, did I not, like, did you call on me? And I didn't answer. Like, I totally missed that. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And and the next thing I remember was like basically being like, go to the bathroom and look at your face. And I was like, what? I went into the bathroom. I looked at my face and my whole right side of my face was paralyzed. Completely like droopy. Really? Yeah. And I just, I started crying. I was like, like, what is going on? What's happening? Oh. And I was like, like literally like, oh my goodness. So obviously my mom comes, picks me up. I go to the doctor. They're like, did she have a stroke overnight? But like, and I remember that morning, it was a struggle to put the mascara on, but I didn't think about it. So it might've been onsetting then. Turns out it was Bell's palsy. So half my face was literally paralyzed and I had to go on steroids for it, like the muscles to do whatever they need to do. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but it was my body's way of, or it was, how do I say this? It was like internally, I, I was starting to figure out that I think I was gay, but I hadn't figured it out yet. It wasn't even a conscious thought, let alone a subconscious thought. Like the world I grew up in, nobody was gay. I didn't know anybody who was, I didn't know anyone who was bisexual, transgender, nobody. Right. So I had all these feelings and emotions and I didn't know what they meant. Let alone, I couldn't classify them. So I just kept it inside. Right. Yeah. And, and then I won't get too deep into the spiritual side of things or, or anything else, but like literally when you, when you bottle things up, whatever, it starts to come out in physical forms and physical symptoms. It just, it is what it is. I've gone through enough of these experiences to know that it's real. So yeah. I was just like, what is happening? And I still didn't get it. And I, I think I just was like, I need, I need to change a scenery. I need something, I, something, something needs to change. And obviously then went to a prep school the following year. And, and it wasn't the reason, again, it wasn't a conscious decision, but I think that probably played into it. Um, so to get back to your question, was I homesick? No, but I think I was just trying to figure out who I was. And then going to prep school, like, again, everything for a reason by my junior, senior year, I can't remember, maybe it was my senior year at, at prep school, grade 12. Sorry, grade 12, it's Canadian lingo now. <laughs> um, I, I, I was finally introduced to somebody who was a bisexual, like a soccer teammate of mine, and then a hockey, and I was like, Oh, and then like, it's like started to click. And I was like, yeah. maybe that's what this was. But like, I went through a whole other experience of like being like violently ill all the time. And it was, I, I felt like I could never speak my truth. Mm -hmm. One, I didn't know who that was. I was still figuring it out. Yeah. But now it's come, it's literally coming out of me. Like I'm literally throwing up involuntarily where I'm like, what is happening? And now I get to college and finally I'm like, Oh, here we go. Like, this is what it is. And, and that's when I finally figured it out. And I came out to my family and my friends and, and like, it, again, getting back to kind of like me speaking eloquently with my words, those are your words, not mine, <laughs> but, but it's like, it's because I know who I am now. I'm yeah. comfortable in my skin. I've found my voice. I'm not afraid to say what's on my mind, my heart, because this is who I am. And if you don't like who that is, that's on you to figure out. Absolutely. It's that's not on me. That's okay. I don't need, I don't need a lot of people in my life. Like I got me and I got my close knit group of people and, and I'm good and I'm finally free and I know who I am and it's just so liberating. And that's what we now try and help these kids figure out. And I'm never going to out somebody or of course tell them they're not a great player or whatever, like whatever the situation is. Cause I'm like, they need to figure that out on their own but I'm going to guide you and help you. And my team's going to do that and give you all the tools that you need so that you can master your mindset and, and build this bulletproof mindset so that when these obstacles come up in your life, one, you're going to have the tools to figure it out. But, but two, you're going to have somebody to talk to my team and I who aren't your parents or your friends who you feel may judge you. 
even if I don't, right? It's just that safe third party people. That was a long answer. Sorry. No, I honestly, I'm blown away. Thank you. Um, thank you for, for sharing that with me. I see, I had no idea of any of, of any of that. So I, thank you. I solely like, I so appreciate that. I, I don't know, like I had Brock McGillis on my show and like, he's become a friend of mine. Like, um, and like, it's, I, I understand. So like I told him, so like I was sexually abused when I was young by an older man. So when I was growing up and around the, 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 kids and especially the dressing room atmosphere with boys boys can be cruel kids can be cruel with their language and their words of course right and and so when you start hearing these homophobic slurs and stuff and and then especially when i started to see how um some kids lives were actually ruined uh jack jacqueline based on some things that weren't even true just attached to a word or whatever so i was like if anybody ever finds out that this happened to me, I am cooked. Like I am done. My whole life is over. So I need to find out I will do anything. So nobody ever finds out that that happens uh, because I don't want to be like, you know, Timmy, Timmy down the street whose life is ruined and whatever. And because when you're a kid, you don't understand. And, and so um, I'm so glad that you, that you brought that point up. And I think that's a valued point that it come it can come out in, in physical illnesses. And so, what about your your play after after you came out? How did you feel on the ice? So the, the irony now again, I, I'm laughing because as soon as you said it, I just thought of like I came out my freshman year in college. I think it was towards the end of it, but my freshman year was my best year. Like I was U.S. I was the yeah. best year the, in the entire country. Yeah, like times a week in the week there too, right? Four player right? rookie of the week or whatever. Like that's crazy. Right? So I'm just like, I was starting to figure out who I was that freshman year in college. And I'm like, that was literally my best season. It was when I then got invited to try it with Hockey Canada and, and you know, USA's Rookie of the Year and all these other awards. And those are all great. And it's, it's humbling. It's it's awesome. But at the end of the day, we didn't win the championship. But still, um, it, it obviously translated on the ice. And again, it wasn't a conscious thing I thought about. It's, it's hindsight looking back on it now and piecing it all together. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Duh. You know, like I was stepping into who I was. That's right. Yeah. And everything and else fell in place. That's amazing. What a great story. I, I'm so glad you shared that. And and uh, I don't know how much of it you've ever talked about it. Like you said, I don't know. Like you mentioned that you didn't share that story, but I don't know how much of it or, or whatever. Because I've never done it. Probably, I'll say that much. My close friends know, but I've never done it. But it's one of those things. Again, I just... The older I get and the more I step into who I am, I'm like, there's no secrets. It's I'm not ashamed. What, yeah, but what you're going to be able to do, like what you're already – so this, the thing is, Jacqueline, like I, I look at you and I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? So here I am and like we have totally different stories, but, you know, similar like battles internally, like trying to, to, to yeah. decipher through things and whatever. And that can sort of – weigh on people differently but now you've taken all of this and and now you're really helping people and and so like i said in the intro and stuff like i could really care less who uh the the charity or the nonprofit or the organization is or whatever who as long as whatever the individual person is getting that attention and the support they need wherever it's coming from that's all that i care about because I've heard of so many people in the hockey community, um, uh, more more boys and, and men than women, but some women who have committed suicide and, and other things. But where I'm just like, I feel like a lot of it could have been prevented. And because I had been in a lot of those situations myself. And, you know, 
like you said, and like you mentioned earlier, you can only guide people so much at the end of the day, you have to sort of want it and how hard are you going to work? And that's the same thing with recovery and everything else. But being able to know that there's people like you um, who have gone through certain things um, and overcome them and now you're there, man, like those, you must have such a great relationship with your, with your team, like the girls that are around and they must just look up to you and be like, wow. And like, that, that must feel really good. Like who was your, who was your role model hockey player that you looked up to who was it and i don't want to put you on the spot in case any of them are your friends and you got to pick one or no, whatever no, no no it's good so it's funny because i was asked a similar question um recently and and again as soon as you asked the question her name popped in my head and i'm like it's got to be her and it, and it was sarah valley on cool so she was a, a canadian olympian yeah like she played at harvard uh, i was fortunate enough when i was at taft um I was also on a travel team, the Connecticut Polar Bears, which is one of the photos you put up there. And she was my teammate. And at the time, she wasn't an Olympian. Uh, but her work ethic and her drive and her her compete level was it was next level. It showed me yep. that I have I got I got some steps to climb still. <laughs> like right. I thought I was elite. I thought I was great. I was always one of the better players, if not the best on my teams. And then she became my teammate and I was like, Oh, I got, I got room to grow. I gotta, I gotta chase her now. Um, so I always just emulated what she did and I would pay attention to what she's eating and, and how she's training. And it was, you know, she, she was, she's an Olympian. She's a gold medalist. She's amazing. Um, maybe didn't have the long, as long as a career she wanted, but like, I just have always admired and respect her work ethic and her mindset. It's, it was just get out of my way or you're going to get run over. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that's so is that sort of your mindset now with because I, I also listened to to some of your interviews, Jacqueline, and I understand that, you know, there was a time where you and we can get well, I wanted to sort of maybe transition a little bit better into women's hockey, like, but we'll just go there and we can. It's a podcast. It's all over the place anyways. Um, but there was a time when you know, you were, you were struggling there mentally. And you said you were, you would have sold women's hockey life for a hundred bucks at one point, because it was just, you felt like it was, you know, you're, I, I tell me more about that and, and tell me about the desire and the drive to keep going to get it to where you are now. And obviously like anything, we always want to progress and progress, but I feel like you're really onto something. Um, and whether it's a, a huge financial success for you or not is not the what I'm saying success wise. When I say success, I mean you're really going to have an impact on a lot of people here, um, and that is something that you need to be commended for. And whoever else is working with you, you guys, what you are doing, kudos to you. So I would love to hear more about how you guys or how you sort of fought through those hard times and stuff. Because I'll be honest, like I'm sort of spinning my wheels here with the Puckspore Foundation sometimes and having a baby, it's like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of great people that are involved and want to help, but it's sometimes it's just like, I don't, there's not enough hours in the day. I heard you say it too. And I'm like, man, like there's not, I feel yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Tell me more. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, so it, it was something that like, so 2010 is when, or 2011 is when we actually incorporated as a business. So it was a long time ago and it was over a pizza and beer like you've probably read about with Graham Rouston, who at the time was the chairman of Bauer and and it was in Switzerland. I was playing over there and, and boom, long story short, Women's Hockey Life is created and 
he just gave me this idea and I ran with it and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just, it was like, a, it was a media outlet, this, that, and the other. And then I got, I ended up getting back into coaching at the NCAA level. So I like created all these ideas that I wanted to do with, with women's hockey life. But as soon as I became an NCAA coach, cause I had to pay bills, like women's hockey life wasn't making money. So I needed a quote unquote real job. Um, and I loved coaching and I missed it. So I got back into coaching at that NCAA division one level but now all the things I wanted to do with women's hockey life had to be put on hold because of NCAA rules. I couldn't create what is now WHL Academy because I'm not allowed to talk to prospective student athletes as an NCAA Division one coach, blah, blah, blah. So basically it kind of got put on hold. It was, it was now just, not just, but people blogging about their experiences and which was great. And that's how it started. And it still is to this day. So it wasn't until I got pregnant in, I guess it was 2015 because I had them in 2016 that you know my my coach at UConn he's still there Chris McKenzie and Casey Handrahan associate head coach they're like you're not coming back like once you have kids you're not coming back I'm like whatever like what I'm coming back like I'm, I'm good had the twins had a c-section like postpartum depression hardcore I was like guys I'm not coming back like I, I can't do this and they're like we knew it and I was like whatever <laughs> but uh so it was but it was in this like 12 to 18 month period of being pregnant. You know, we went through a, a ton of like IUI, IVF, miscarriage to, okay, we're pregnant. Now there's twins. Hey, guess what? There's two of them. Like, oh boy, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, to, to the C-section, having them. And I just, it was like a, a, 11 months after they were born that I finally was like, I've got to be more than just a mom. And I know that sounds bad, but I know yeah listening that like I actually just talked to a friend yesterday who she's on maternity leave right now she's a firefighter in Burlington Ontario actually ironically enough to where I was born and she's like I need to get back to work like I love being a mom it's their second kid but she's like I I'm more than just a mom and you need that other piece of identity and that's finally where I was like I thought I had to be a stay-at-home mom I had a, my mom was a stay-at-home mom my twin sister was a stay-at-home mom but they loved that they that was their like niche that was what made them come alive they love thriving in those environments and they could where i was like i gotta think of a craft i gotta think of something to do like can't we just go outside and play like what is this um so so again sorry long story short 11 months mark i'm like there's got to be more to this and 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 i finally climbed my way out of the postpartum depression and i cashed in my retirement fund and put it all into women's hockey life and out comes what is now WHL Academy. So I invested everything I had. I had no income and just was like, I'm all in. I, this is like hockey has been my life. It's been what's, you know, got me through tough times. It's been what's given me great times. Um, so like I, I had to find a new identity. I wasn't a player anymore. I wasn't a coach anymore. Now I'm, I'm all in with my business. And, and so that was, you know, the original 2010 and you have these hurdles. And so what, what's, where are we at today with, with women's hockey life? I see uh, your interviews, you have these branches, not enough time in the day. You have all these ideas, much like me. Uh, I ask because what do you do to, to limit your amount of great ideas that you have to sort of get your on, on to to maybe where, you know, four, if you can get down to like three or four ideas and then, you know, more can come after because I, I feel like I sort of start too many projects and then 
Brady, you and I are the same person. We're the same person. Like, that's been me for the last 10 years, nine years, eight years, whatever it's been is, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Like, oh, let's create a beer. Let's create a wine. Let's create an adult camp. Like we're all over the map and, and it's fun and it's exciting because that's what makes you come alive and you know, you're going to do it and you've got this passion behind it. So like we literally just started just documenting all of these ideas we had and just, we we're like, let's put them on the shelf. When we're ready, we're going to take it off the shelf and we're going to do it. But it hasn't been literally probably in the last two or three months where I've, I've even reined it, reined it in more where now my focus is getting content out for women's hockey life. So giving, giving a voice to, to those who feel like they don't have one on our platform, on our website, yeah. com, And then, but the, the two things now that are my, my personal main focus, because I have people to help me with the website part is the academy. So helping these young high school age female hockey players get into college with WGL Academy and the podcast. So we have our own podcast now, just partnering with the hockey news sports illustrated. So I'm like, if we can get our message out there, if we can empower these young women and girls to be these strong, resilient, like kick-ass people in society, like that's what I want to do. So through the podcast, through WHL Academy, I feel like that's our biggest, biggest area that we can do it. So I've basically narrowed it down to these two things and I've got like a laundry list of what's coming next, but I can't, it's so hard not to touch it, Brady. And I'm sure you know that because you have all these ideas, you know, they're going to work because just like you, you've got this passion behind it, right? You've got this desire, this drive, and you know how yeah. to help and impact people. But like the hard part, I'm sure for you, as it is for me, is you got to be patient. Patience is the hardest thing. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking to myself as you were talking. I was like, I, I was like, that's, that's what it's. I was like, I got to be a little more patient because I was sitting here listening. I'll be honest. I was sitting here listening to your, how you're putting these things on the shelf where I don't really like I can't put it. I can't put anything on the shelf. It's hard for me. So I need to learn how to do it. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't need to like come out guns ablaze and all the time with every idea because if you do that all the time, it's not always going to happen the right way that it needs to happen. And I think that's something that's slowly learning. But I'm glad you touched on that because it just made me realize even more that that's something that I need to do. And I'm just is exactly what I expected to happen when we were going to talk. So I'm glad. Like I'm so glad. I'm being a little bit selfish in this episode, to be honest. But I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are getting a lot of great things. And I'm so glad that I hear your focus is on on putting out content because, like I said in the earlier in the episode, um, you the stuff that I've seen um, and I don't know what like the actual content of the course and stuff because I haven't seen that, but um, just you speaking, Jacqueline, uh, I really think that you have um, uh, a way with words that can really, really um, hit home and, and not just with, with female uh, hockey players either, Jacqueline. So, you, you know, um, and that's, you know, I hope you know that because you, you know, like I wasn't like, anti girls hockey or anything but i certainly wasn't one of the most supportive growing up either you know you know you know i was you know these asshole hockey players i wasn't one of them per se but you know i didn't like i said i didn't give it the respect that it deserved and and i can say that today because like you said hindsight is 2020 a wisdom when you get older and everything and so being a dad and and, and everything and sometimes it takes people to see things and things to happen to get them here and i'm here and i, I want to say that like you have my not that you need it but you have my 100 support and for some reason i feel like you know there's i'll talk to you about it a little bit off the air i've shared it on the podcast but like i said 
I'll shelf it. You don't yeah. need to talk about it. And uh, I'll talk to you personally about it, my idea because I really think, and there's a couple other people involved, but um, we have this idea and it's just, you know, a short, you know, period of time where we can really make an impact and, and then, you know, a lot can come from that. But, um, you know, what's your biggest piece of advice, uh, Jacqueline, uh, to, to say a young, a young female hockey player uh, that I, I know you have your lessons out there and persistence and everything, but there's one above all. What What is it for you? I think it's a tough one. I know it is, but it, and again, it's all context, right? Like, so who's asking? Who am I giving it to? Like, I get the question a lot sometimes from parents for, of young kids who are maybe honestly nine, 10, 11, 12 of, you know, my kid's great. She loves the sport. Like we want your help. You know, can you help us get into prep school or, or hockey academy or university? And, and my response back is always like your kids got to fall in love with the game. Like you got to love the game in order for it to take you places. Because if you don't love the game, so I'm like, if I were to work with your daughter, even if she's in, you know, grade 12 or grade 12, sorry, if she's 12 or 13 and the work that I do with players one-on-one, -on -one, like sometimes, and it's, it's happened once, it's only happened once, but sometimes when we go through this process, we end up finding out that they don't actually love the game. And they actually don't end up, they don't want to go play in college. They're trying to fulfill their parents' dream. Their parents are living vicariously through their, their daughter. And, and it's a hard conversation for me to then have with the parent. And I've only had to do it once, but I felt confident going into that conversation because I'm like, your kid's actually into art. Like she loves that. And they're like, yeah, I know she does amazing stuff. It's great. I'm like, but that's what she wants to go to university for. She could care less if she plays hockey. And, and it, so it gets back to like, if you love the sport, it's going to take you places. But if you don't, that's okay too. Like, so a long-winded way of saying is find what you're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be hockey. And I think that's why I'm struggling to answer this question a little bit. So I'm like, is it hockey related or not? Again, context is everything for me. Right. So, yeah. so it's, it's, I get a general answer is find what you're passionate about. Find what makes you come alive. Find that one thing that gets you excited to wake up in the morning. And if it's hockey, great. If it's playing with your friends, awesome. If it's doing cartwheels in the backyard, mm -hmm. cool. Like if it's climbing trees, have at it. Um, if it's writing, if it's, if it's singing, if it's, you know, playing guitar or painting or building things. I don't know, whatever it is, like whatever makes you happy, you've got to find that passion. Yeah. What a great point. What a great point. Because you know what? I, I yeah, of course, you know, I've thought about it and people have said similar things to me over the course of 33 years. But man, like as soon as you lose that drive for whatever it is that you have, that purpose life becomes very dark for it. It did for me anyways. Like, and it seems to be the, that sort of that same, you know, for everybody. And, and I wanted to say too, you mentioned that I, I agree. Uh, you need something outside of being a mom, outside of being a dad. And that's something I'm glad you mentioned because, you know, I didn't, I haven't seen two of my kids that are, that are back West for a number of years. And like their mom, you know, is, is whatever it's not i'm not gonna sit here and bash or whatever but we're trying i'm, I'm really trying to get them back in my life and obviously i i own my my choices and everything um but she always looked to me like you got to get clean you're a dad like come on your kids got to be enough for everything and 
you know what? I wish I could sit here and say that was the case because you felt bad. So I feel bad saying that too. But as what I learned through going through rehab, going through life, going through jail, wherever, um, there's a lot of people out there with kids who are struggling and there's a lot of people with kids who are not struggling that if something happens, there's probably a good chance their kids are not going to keep them from dealing. Like there's some people, yes, that latch onto that and that's their identity and whatever. But I truly firmly believe what you said that you do, you need to, you need to have that. And that needs to be sure your main focus. But if you're just focused on that, I, that's a recipe for disaster, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be just being a parent, just what if you're just one thing and, and oh man i just so thank you for pointing that out because i I've, i feel the same and, and hearing it from a woman too like it's it felt really nice to hear so thank you well and the other big piece for me is like just we're kind of kind of off topic with going back to the question is is like and this comes with age and wisdom and experiences and going through things but like people don't do things to you they do them for themselves so like i think about any time that i've ever hurt somebody and I'm like, I didn't do it to hurt them. I did it because of some insecurity of my own or something that I was going through or dealing with. And unfortunately, my actions had negative consequences for other people. And that's, again, one of the things we try and teach the, the young girls we work with in the, the course of like, if a coach is just on you at practice and you literally have done nothing, like, like anyone else would be like, I don't know why he's like, he or she is all over you. Like that's it, whatever. It's probably because something happened at work for him or her or at home or whatever. And they're just lashing out on you because you made one bad pass. Like, but you've got to be able to look at the situation and say, okay, did I really screw this up? Is this warranted? Is, am I, am I deserving of this lashing? And if so, you got to take it and learn from it. Yeah. But if not, you also just got to be able to brush it off and be like, clearly they, he or she just had a really, really bad day and like they're taking it out on me. But if yeah. you can have that perspective of things, you know, people aren't being, people aren't doing things to me, they're doing them for themselves. Then it's, it just, you, you're more at peace too, right? Like, yeah, you can own it when you make a mistake, but it's sometimes people are just angry and it has nothing to do with you. You got to just brush it off and move on with your day. So it doesn't kill your day, you know? It's what, what a great piece of advice. And I, I think that's something that I often overlooked and probably a lot of people do. And, and it it's, it's very true for me too. Anytime I heard anybody, it was, you know, same, same deal, same right. thing. And uh, unfortunately there's, you know, often casualties involved that, you know, get hurt along the way. And so that's another thing that I really have for me and my journey Jacqueline has been really thinking before I act and that's such a like a uh it's a skill a yeah it's a lesson that you should learn at a very young age but as you see I can't put anything on the shelf I'm very impulsive I want to do it so it's a it's a it's a very hard lesson for me uh to be able to to just sort of practice oh, oh my buddy Matt he's a volunteer firefighter and here in Morrisburg, he just got a call. He's running out the house. I can hear his paper. <laughs> somebody, buddy. Yeah, that's right. He's actually coming up. With the, he's actually he just got promoted. Matt's such a good guy, and this guy helped save my life. He's obviously I showed showed yeah. in the intro. This is I didn't show this, but this is Maddie's card. But this was his best friend, right? And like he passed away. Like I didn't know him. I didn't know Maddie, but um, you know, since then his uh, you know. Lazinski's family, like I've talked to them and stuff and like yeah. they're super supportive of what we're doing. It's just, it's just, you know, 
sometimes maybe my case i thought my i'll be honest i thought my case was extreme and and maybe it's a little extreme but it there's a lot there's a lot of guys there's like i know like four or five ex hockey pro players that are in jail right now right now jacqueline and of course everything like you said if kids people disclose things to you people disclose things to me all the time too and i just i can't tell because i won't and that's that is something that i take a great pride in that people have that like have that like they want to talk to me and like i i am so honored to have that and and sometimes I don't have all the answers, um, but I, I try my best. And, and but the fact that people like Jack, there's a time not too long ago where people like avoid me, like not want to talk to me, not whatever. And it just goes back to thinking before you act and doing the right thing and listening to that little voice. I, this is another thing that I wanted to talk about, not even on this podcast, but I wanted to make a point on a post or something about this. Is I wanted to know, and I'll ask you this: You're the first person I'm asking this question. And this might seem a little off or whatever, but like to me, I feel like I kind of figured it out the other day where it was like this little voice, you know, this little, like maybe for me it was worse because I was doing like my, my moral compass was kind of screwed, like skewed a little bit, but like I always had that, that little voice, you know what I mean? Of like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I would just suppress it. suppress, And it got quieter. It got quieter. It got quieter. It got quieter. But now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm clean. I'm well, you know, I do use cannabis and CBD and stuff. And that's a discussion for another day. But aside from everything else, I don't even drink, I don't do nothing. And now that I'm, you know, in the right mindset, that voice is coming back. And so I'm wondering if you, uh, you know, is that something that everybody has where like you were going through, like, like where I'm literally, it's almost like sometimes yes. somebody else is telling me what to do. Yes. In a sense. Yes, Brady. That's, that's you and everyone else being in alignment with who you are. It's, it's like at any given moment you have a decision, right? And there's 20, 30, 40, 50 paths you can go down. Right. And you've got to listen to that inner voice to be like, okay, I got to go this way. I got to go that way. And sometimes you make a mistake, but maybe you had to make that mistake in order to learn the lesson. And until you learn that lesson, guess what? That same thing is going to keep coming up in your life until you've actually learned it. Like, why do you think people get into relationships that are the same and they keep getting their hearts broken and they're, you know, going over and over and like, oh, I did the same person. And this is the like, it's because you haven't learned the lesson yet. You got to you got to respect yourself and, and love yourself first before you can give that love to somebody else. So it's it's that the voice I have voices in my head all the time. And, and I this is where like, yeah, I sound crazy, but I'm like, I've always been that black sheep. I've always been that person outside the box. And but I'm OK with that because I'm like, I know that there's a higher force and a higher world being whatever out there that is showing me the way i feel like i'm telling you jacqueline these things are happening now that i'm listening to to not only myself but i'm i'm listening to other people and and really listening and just taking things in and paying attention to the world and just what's going on around me and and like i said not acting or thinking before i act as much as i can in some situations like you know what i mean and it's just these little things and and i mean not even little i mean like gigantic things are happening where it's like what like who are these people where did this person come from why is this happening to me like why, we connected? What? like why do you think we connected like for real though like it's when you start listening to that inner voice like the universe just starts sending you like positive thing after positive thing after positive thing and and yeah. and it's when you you start drowning out those voices because society tells you that 
you're crazy or the amount of people that tell me I'm crazy. I'm like, bring it on. Like that's, that's a to me, right? Like tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I hear voices. I see things, I hear things, whatever. But it's, it's when we start to use like substance, substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever, to suppress the voice inside your head, which is your, which is all it is, is, is you being in, in alignment with who you are. It's your source energy. It's your, it's you being in the vortex. It's you just I love it. in alignment with who you are, it. but it's so non-conventional. It's not mainstream. It, no one yeah. talks about it. It's not taught in school and it's so out there. And, and my dad is the most conservative guy and, and probably thinks and still does things. I'm think I am crazy, but he also is starting to believe in me because what I'm building and what I'm doing. And it's because I'm trusting my intuition and I'm listening right. to me. And he's like, wow. Like when I told him I cashed in my retirement fund to start this up and I paid X amount of dollars to this guy, I don't know to teach me this. He's like, you did what? Like, whoo. But now that I'm doing it and I, I made back the money in the first eight weeks and this, that, and he's like, Oh, okay. But, but I'm trying to, I'm showing him subconsciously or maybe obviously consciously, sorry, that <laughs> it's okay to go away, veer from the norm and what society thinks we should be doing. Yeah. You should go to high school. You should go to college. You should, you know, be a doctor. You should be a whatever. It's like, no, follow your passion. It gets back to the question you asked earlier. Like find what you're, what makes you come alive, find what excites you and follow that. Even if it is painting abstract pictures, which doesn't have a lot of money in it, you know what? If you love it enough, you're going to find a way to make a living doing it. Yeah. You got to get resourceful. I went on a rant. I apologize. Oh, hey, I'm <laughs> I love it. But hey, I am. Well, since I think we'll have to do this again very soon, Jacqueline. Um, and uh, like, yeah, there's so much more that I wanted to dive into. And I'm sure I'm going to get my opportunity. And I hope that, uh, you know, you'll do this again with me. Um, I absolutely will. There's lots to go over and and I want to, you know, we'll get dive into maybe when women's hockey starts back up and, and come on and tell us more about uh, maybe some up and coming players or or whatever. And uh, if there's anything that that I can do to, to help be a support of women's hockey life, please uh, let me know. Uh, let us know at the Puck Support Foundation. We do have Sandra Murray, who's available as our you know sports psychologist. I don't know if you have you probably have your own things, but. Um, maybe we can talk and, and somehow work together. I know that your resources probably are, are you know, you've been doing it since 2010. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to uh, to have met you, Jacqueline, and have your friendship. And, and like, I, I'm not lying when I say you've inspired me before I met you. And now that we've connected, I'm so, so grateful um, that, that we have. And uh, I know you're going to continue to inspire me uh, and many others along the way, Jacqueline. So thank you so much for doing this. And I look forward to building a friendship with you. Thank you, Brady. And I appreciate it too. And you're an inspiration to me and, and what you're doing, I believe in. And I hope you never lose that, lose that passion or drive because you're onto something here. So I'd, I'd be happy to support you in any way that I can. Thanks so much, Jacqueline. Thank you. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right, take care. All right, guys, that's episode number two. Hockey to hell and back. The road to recovery featuring Jacqueline Hawkins. What an excellent conversation. Um, I took a lot from that. I'm not surprised. Um, I went back and watched a couple of her uh, her interviews and podcasts more than once. Uh, not because I needed to for like recording or anything, but because I just wanted to hear it for myself. Um, this is bugging me. 
I'll just take it off. Actually, it's kind of cool. So this this is another thing. My this is from the dressing room in Tampa Bay. So another uh, little keepsake from my dad, which was really nice. Um, I apologize if you wanted to watch it live on Facebook. We're doing things on YouTube. We didn't have very many live viewers, but I know you're listening to the audio. Thank you to everybody who supports me listening. Um, wherever you do, please subscribe. If you're watching here on YouTube, please subscribe to my channel and hit the little notification bell uh, so you get notified um, because there was no live viewers. Great, because I canceled the Facebook feed. We will not be giving away the team issued socks. Hit me up. The first one to message me, hashtag, actually the first one to comment on this post on YouTube, hashtag team issued wins these socks. Once you do it, shoot me a message. That's it, guys. Uh, episode two, hockey to hell and back. Thank you to Jeff from Playtech Hockey. Please follow us at Puck Support, at Puck Support Warriors, the podcast at Hockey to Hell, and me at Hockey to Heroin on Instagram, guys. And if you're in the South Dundas area, come check us out at the One Stop Skate Shop, uh, located right in the heart of beautiful Morrisburg, Ontario. That's where I'm heading very shortly. Um, no pictures or videos yet, not till it's all done. Uh, we got the Howie's tape wall rocking. We got the stick wall rocking. We got merch. We got everything. We even got team issued hats for sale in there. Come check us out, guys. Uh, if you want to support me directly, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com slash hockey to heroin. Um, Warren Nye, this signed picture is coming your way, bud. I have them back in my possession uh, and uh, yours is coming soon. If you're my patron, you get a signed picture. Uh, we'll have more stuff for you coming shortly. Check out Team Issued, guys. Thank you to everybody who supported Taylor and I. Uh, we could not have done it without you. We love you. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you're all having a great Saturday and uh, I am so grateful. I am so, so grateful that you have uh, joined me today. And if you've listened in the past, thank you. I know you spend your valuable time listening to what I have to say and it means the world to me. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, guys. I'm off to the One Stop Skate Shop. We'll see you guys all on Wednesday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. No drinking, no driving, guys. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. <laughs>